Hello, welcome to the Verstadt podcast. I'm Alex. And I am Jesus. Welcome again. This is our third episode of our discussions about COVID-19. And today we want to speak about the claims uh, we've heard in the public media, um, specifically about capitalism. It is said that capitalism has failed that capitalism is responsible for this crisis and that it puts us in this position and that capitalism can't handle this crisis. That's more or less a, a summary of the anti-capitalist claims uh, we have heard. And uh, we see these claims with um, great danger because uh, we just don't see them as an attack on capitalism, but also an attack on liberty and on freedom. And that's why um, we care about this and we want to talk about this in this podcast. So I think always when one is having any kind of productive discussion, it is very important to state your terms and define them clearly. And in this case, in this case there are claims against capitalism. So we have to ask ourselves, well, what is capitalism? What, what does it mean? What's the definition of it? And the classical definition uh, that most people, well, the, the correct definition, I would argue, that most people hold is, and this you can find this on, on Wikipedia, is simply that capitalism is an economic system based on the private ownership of the means of production and their operation for profit. Char characteristics central to capitalism include private property, capital accumulation, wage labor, voluntary exchange, a price system, and competitive markets. That last part is very important, competitive markets. But even though this is a very uh, reasonable um, definition, which probably even uh, critics, critics of capitalism would agree to, like Karl Marx, we want to go a little bit deeper into the, the moral foundation of capitalism and their conception of rights. And if you look at capitalism from this uh, perspective, especially a, a pure capitalism, laissez-faire capitalism, as they sometimes call it, is an economic political system in which all, pro all property is privately owned and it is characterized by the concept of individual rights. What I think you want to draw out at this point is that what we have today has elements of this definition, but it is clearly not a pure capitalism in the way that I have described. Some of it and some of it does not apply to capitalism. When we look at individual rights, we see that they consist of three aspects. The right to life, the right to freedom and the right to property. But these three aspects or these three rights are inseparable. For example, the right to life, but without property, cannot be had. Let's say you, you can live, but you don't own anything. That means that somebody else, that an authority, another authority, someone that is not you, controls those resources. And whenever you want to, to use them, let's say a hammer or a house or a car, whenever you want to use them, you have to ask permission to these, this authority. Nobody would argue that you are free in these elements because you have to grant all the wishes 
of this authority so that you can sometimes use them. And that's the right two property that you can use the, the fruits of, of your own labor, how you see fit without asking permission to anyone. And this applies for all three rights. You cannot have the right to life without freedom or property without the right to life. So at the end, it's one and the same. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so since, since these rights can, are inseparable, we have to ask ourselves, what do they have in common? And the basic idea behind these rights is that a right is a sphere in which no man might be subject to arbitrary coercion by other men. In general, he might not be subject of coercion in order to take away his life, to take away his property, or to take away his freedom. So, knowing this, to understand more deeply what it means to have a right over your life, freedom, and property, it means that you have the right to decide freely which actions you're going to take to pursue your life as long as you do not violate the right of others to be free. The right to live means that nobody gets to kill you arbitrarily whenever he wishes, for no reason, like a slave owner can kill the slave that he owns. And in the same way, to have a right to property means that you get to keep that which you have created, that which you have produced. And the right to property not, not only means that you have, that it's your property, but it also means that you have to be able to use it. You have to be able to dispose of that property in order to follow your desires. And since you decide, you can decide, for example, to give it away to somebody. You can give people gifts, you can give it to people in need, whatever you want to do with it. And more importantly, you can exchange these goods. You can exchange your property with others. And the only thing that is important for this exchange to take place is that the other person wants to exchange it too. To have another person come in and say, oh no, you cannot do this because I don't like it, is a violation of your property rights. It's a violation of your freedom. And here comes the, the central point. Why is it that you need those rights? You need those rights because an individual needs this freedom to pursue his own happiness. And individual rights are the recognition that each man should have a right to plan an independent life as an independent being. You need to be able to live without fear of arbitrary execution. You need the freedom to act in ways that you believe will lead to your happiness. And you need to have the tools, the objects, the property that you created in order to pursue the goals that you have put for yourself for your own life. It is therefore that capitalism and this individual rights, the right of freedom over your own life, over your, the things that you have produced, and capitalism are inseparable. And every deviation from capitalism is a deviation from individual rights, it's a deviation from freedom. Capitalism and freedom are therefore inseparable. So every time that you hear an attack on capitalism, it is an attack on individual rights, it is an attack on freedom. And it is exactly for this reason that we find it um, so striking and so uh, frightful uh, that we have these constant attacks uh, on capitalism that Alex uh, mentioned at the beginning. Yes, it is capitalism that accepts these concepts of rights. And now we get to the role of state in a pure capitalist society. So as we said, individual rights consists of being free from the coercion of other men. And that's the role of the government in a capitalist society, to defend your rights, and no, no more and no less. This necessitates a military to defend the citizens, 
a judiciary branch to solve disputes, and a police force to actually enforce those, those rights. And the more role the government takes beyond this, the more it distances itself from the protection of individual rights, as Jesus will explain us now. Yeah, so some people would say, for example, that, well, I mean, what about a right to healthcare? You have not mentioned that right. I mean, that certainly apparently is a right that you have to have healthcare. Well, no, I mean, the conception of individual freedom, the conception of individual rights is not only not compatible with social conception of rights or a right to healthcare, it is the exact opposite, right? The conception that lies behind the claims, the social rights, they call it, is the perception that you have a right to that which others have produced, which is exactly the opposite of what capitalism espouses. Capitalism says nobody gets to take away your property by force. It is yours, you created it, you get to decide how to use that property. But the conception of social rights, like healthcare, tells you the opposite. It tells you somebody else is entitled to your property because of the fact that he exists. For the fact that you exist, you have a right to that which others have produced. And if they do not give it to you, if they refuse to give you their property that they have produced, they will be legally prosecuted. So my point is, one cannot consistently defend the vision of social rights and the vision of individual rights at the same time. They are mutually exclusive. They're contradictory in themselves. One says that your life is yours. The other one says that a part of your life, at least, belongs to somebody else. We have seen, in essence, what capitalism is. is. It's not just private companies. It's the whole package. It's the government defending your rights, the three basic rights we just listed, and defending you from the coercion of other men. And that's it. It doesn't step in. It doesn't tell you what's a good trade or how much your wage is or how long you can work. And it doesn't even guarantee you the life. It just tells you I will protect you against other men from interfering in your life. But it, I, don't, I won't guarantee you the life. I won't give you food or healthcare or education because as we said, it's the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Because to ensure you that, to, to say you that we are going to grant you food for the fact that you exist is a contradiction. Because where does that food come from? Well, somebody has to produce it. So you have to take it away from some to give it to others. So you cannot have both at the same time. It's, it's a contradiction in terms. It's not possible. Yes, so now that we know what capitalism is in real, pure capitalism, then we, we see clearly when we open our eyes, that we don't live in such an economy, in, in such a society. We live in a mixed economy. It has some parts of capitalism and some other parts of socialism or status. Government is just everywhere and it is everything nowadays. Government is the police, it's the fire department, it, it is the hospitals. It is multiple insurances like health insurance, pension insurance, employment insurance. It is a bank. It, it is the kindergarten. It is the schools. It runs the televisions and the news reports. And it tells you what food is safe and what drugs are not are safe and which one are not. And it forbids you from taking those it doesn't see fit. It also tells you how much you should earn or at least what's what's a minimum wage and how, how many hours you should work and what's a maximum. 
and at what prices uh, you can sell some goods and in what conditions. I mean, go government is just in, in every aspect of our lives, everywhere. GDP, most governments spend between 40 and 50% of the GDP of their countries. I mean, that's half of their economy running by the state. And it's not just that, it's also the restrictions, the regulations and the controls and all the forceful redistribution also in public services and the welfare. The point here is that we have no pure capitalism nowadays. We have some elements. If we take black and white and mix them together, nobody would say, okay, we have white. No, it's, it's gray. And today we have a, a dark gray status socialist system with very little capitalism. So it's not easy as to attribute everything that's going wrong nowadays to capitalism because it's not easy even to find where capitalism is nowadays. Yeah, I think that's an, that's an excellent question. Where, where is it? Right? Where, where, is, where are these free markets that they always talk about, how they are exploding people? Where are these free markets? I have never seen them. Um, well, every day I see them less, which is very sad. I would argue, as Alex has said, that many of the evils that we have in today's economy come from the statist part of our system. And it's interesting because especially many people on the left would even agree on this point. There is corruption. There are big companies getting special privileges from government and they have specially government granted monopolies which they use to exploit the workers and so on. And we agree. We couldn't agree more. That's wrong. You shouldn't get special privileges. You shouldn't get a government granted monopoly. But that is not a feature of a free market. That is a measure that is instituted by the state and can only be instituted by the state. And that the only ones who can give you a government-granted monopoly that can tell you, hey, you are the only one who gets to offer education, for example, in Germany, uh, and nobody else gets to do that. Or if you do, you have to pay or pass this 7,000 regulations, which is a general point. You know, the markets are restricted in, in an infinite uh, ways. It would take you years just to read all of the restrictions that they are. Most people don't even know how many restrictions they are. I myself don't know. It would take me years of my life to even read what regulations they are. You know, well, but the market failures, you know, the government has to come in and sort of fix these market failures. But nobody talks about government failure. You know, they look at the market with all of its, you know, all of its flaws, so to say, in this real world. And then they imagine sort of this magical government that is coming here to maximize the welfare of the people, whatever it is supposed to mean. And we never look at the problems that might be behind that also system, right? We have two systems and we have to look at both of them, what's good and what's bad. We cannot simply look at what's bad about the market and pretend like government is perfect. And it's especially interesting that the, the industries in which there has been the more severe crisis, in which there have been greatest failures, have also been those systems that are most heavily regulated by the state. It is the public healthcare system that was not prepared for a pandemic. To call the public healthcare system in the US or in any country, in the OECD countries, so basically the countries in the West, to call that a capitalist healthcare system is ludicrous, right? I mean, even in the US, it's extremely regulated. You have Medicaid, you have Medicare, all sort of mixed regulations. That's partly run by the government. Not only that, the government made restrictions that makes it private, practically impossible for private companies to prepare for it and make it extremely difficult for them to enter now. And then you say that it's a fault of the companies that they don't provide the products. Well, no wonder you made it impossible for them. And who shut down the economy? It wasn't Bill Gates. He can't. 
The one who shot at the economy was the government, mandating lockdowns, forbidding shops, restaurants, and hotels to keep on working. And I'm not even saying that that's necessarily wrong or good. I'm just saying it was not the free market. It was the government. So to then blame this on, on, on supposed free markets is really strange. Yes, to go more, more concretely to some of the claims, many point at um, USA and use it as an example because it's supposedly the most capitalist country there is and they point out how many people have died there. But if we look closely, we see that the failures in USA were not caused by the free markets, but by the government. For example, the first months of the pandemic, the CDC, Center of Disease Control and Prevention, held the monopoly over the COVID-19 tests in USA. So whenever you wanted to test, the only way was through the CDC. And together with the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, they initially blocked all the efforts by universities and businesses to develop and conduct these tests. The first tests in USA were done ignoring these regulations. And that's how, how they found out the first tests in, in USA. And then there's also a lot of, of regulation. For example, if, if you want to produce and sell masks, you have to ask the government for permission. And that permission could up, take up to 60 days, uh, even though they, they sped up the, the, the process right now. Normally, it would take even more. There are also a lot of, of licenses. For example, if you're a doctor or a nurse in a state in USA, you cannot just work in another state. Or if you want to expand your hospital's capacity, you have to first fill a certificate of need where you have to argue why the community needs more beds. So it's not why the hospital needs more beds. No, it's the community. And of course, all our competing hospitals can come in and say and argue against. No, I don't think um, there's need in that community. This is everything but capitalism. It's, it's the opposite. It's, it's having less competition in this very important sector. And there are studies that show us that this reduces um, the typical uh, beds and the number of beds in, in typical hospitals by 12%. And it also reduces the amount of hospitals in general. And it increases the, the prices of the hospitals, making it easier for these existing hospitals that are there, there to make profits. But this is not capitalism. Because we see a private company being there, it doesn't mean that this is capitalism. Capitalism is a system. It's not just one company being there. You cannot attribute that because you see one evil company, private company, that it's its fault of, of capitalism because it's the government that has given them these privileges and only the government can give them these privileges. And I wonder how much will it take until people start blaming the government and the politicians for the failure? How much statism and, and how, how much have we, do we have to reduce capitalism until people say the other way? Yeah, I think it's an excellent question. And I don't know. I mean, if you look at the, the supposed so-called stimulus package, billions of dollars thrown away. And even then, that's, you know, the government had to do that. It was a necessity. I don't think it was a necessity. But as I make a more general point, I think this is um, 
I mean, if you if you try to think scientifically about these issues, right? If you actually try to, you know, if you, if you're on statistics, you would you would find this this kind of approach and really bizarre, right? You 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 see an effect, for example, you see high prices, and then you say, oh, you know, high prices. There is apparently some free market, a little bit. I don't know. Therefore, it was capitalism. No, I mean that's that's strange. You have to look at the entire market. You have to see, okay, how were prices before? What measures were introduced? What happened when this measure was introduced? Oh, we see, for example, a measure against price gouging was introduced. Two days later, there's a black market created. Hmm. Yeah, we would say, oh, okay, so it was the measure that was bad. And then we would say, okay, the price rose. Why did it rose? Okay, part of it, for example, might be because of a bad measure. And perhaps another part of it might be because of capitalism. Who knows? But you actually have to look at the data. You have to look at the case. You have to think about it. But to just have this knee-jerk reaction and say it was fault of markets without even knowing how much markets there actually are is, yeah, a really strange way uh, to, to think about the issue. It's, no, it's, it's not even a way to think about the issue. It's a way of not thinking about the issue. It's a way of not even having to look at what actually happened and just follow you, your preconceived conclusions. And I think that's not very helpful. What strikes me is that the supposed solutions are the opposite of, of the solutions. Uh, the solution is not to give these privileges to the good companies instead of the bad companies. No, it's to not give privileges to anybody. Exactly. And as we talked, the government has no role in that. If I want to trade with Jesus, who is the government to come in and say, no, you, you, you can't trade? Who are you? Leave me alone? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's how, how it starts. Um, the, the government starts um, controlling some industries, then the industries collide with the government and that's where the corruption comes from if you give so much power to the government then that's where the corruption comes yeah absolutely i think uh, milton friedman would have um, said the the only way to prevent uh, government from colluding with business is by the government not having any privileges to grant and then you stop the incentive right because there is nothing to yeah. to give away and I absolutely you know that's that's the case and I would argue there's a, a important empirical evidence that would support that claim in summary we don't have any capitalism or we have very very little capitalism some countries more than than others and that's also important to, to look at but to just say something is bad in the system and that's fault of capitalism and therefore we need less capitalism that's First, it gives you no clarity about the world, and it confuses you actually, and it, it gives you no solutions to actually find the real problem and solve it, solve it correctly. Yeah, so I want to make one, one last, uh, more, more general comment, um, and I want to refer it also to the other podcast that we have made uh, on this issue. Perhaps we'll do another one uh, that is related to COVID. But in case that it's not, I just wanted to make some, some, some closing remarks about these issues, which I, I find very important, and also to give a little bit of, of my opinion. So we have seen in the, in the first episode, uh, we talked about the economic effects that the government measures had, and among many things, the way in which um, poor people or people who are in need, and those who are supposed to need to be helped because of solidarity, uh, have to pay in order to bail out big companies. We see that the way in which the policy is constructed is not to facilitate greater economic development or to recover 
from the crisis in which we are. They are based on political interest and to gain a popular opinion. We have then seen a podcast in which we have talked about the effectiveness of measures for the corona crisis and with questionable results, so to speak. I'm, I'm not a doctor, I cannot judge it, but to me it seems no, no way obvious at all that the way the solution was handled uh, was efficient or effective. Now we have seen um, how this is then made an attack of freedom. It is said that it's supposedly capitalism, for which there is any at all, is supposedly to be to be at fault for this. And you know, it to me it makes me angry. I what I think we need to do is I think we need to go back to that which we know works, to that which we know leads to production and human well-being, and that is and always has been, and I would argue always will be freedom. We need people to recover their lives. We need them to recover their right to go to work, to be happy, to pursue their dreams, to pursue their passion, which has all been taken away from us. I don't, and perhaps part of it was justified, but that's the actual effect that it has had. So what I think we need to do is we need to do that, which Adam Smith would have understood 200 years ago. We need to stop about this community and all together and the welfare. No, we need to stop that. What we need to do is to go back to capitalism. We need more free markets, not less. We need less regulations, not more. We need more globalization, not less. We need to privatize the healthcare system. It's disgraceful, the failure that it has been. To look at this and to say this is a crisis of capitalism, I find really difficult to believe. I mean, to me, this has shown the ways in which the market has been put into chains how people have been put into chains, locked in their homes. And then to say, because of that, we need to, we need more chains, we need more regulation. No, we need to, we need to double down on freedom. We need to double down on capitalism.